Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies, welcome to another week, another episode of the Medicine Ball Podcast. You could have chose to spend your time anywhere. You rock with me today. Thank you. I never take that lightly. Before we get into it, let my beat drop. Yes, yes, that's right. Welcome to Medicine Ball with your boy LS3 to be exact. And if you ain't in shape, at least your brain should be. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Medicine Ball Podcast, where we focus on giving your brain a six-pack by exercising your mind. Now, exercising your mind means that you actively think about and deal with all situations by first seeking to do anything other than what you are normally programmed and or comfortable in doing. Now, if you're someone who struggles and wants to get better at thinking about things beforehand, as opposed to reacting in ways that require less effort, well, just like anything you want to get better at, it does require training, practice, and work. Now, I'm well aware that thinking about things beforehand as opposed to responding off instinct does require effort. And who doesn't prefer things that are easy? Well, the first step, my friends, can be very easy, and that's to begin to look at all things from an unbiased point of view, which in itself will increase your curiosity in life. Now, exercising your mind won't give you all the answers. You will, however, begin to look at things with more peace, understanding, and patience, while simultaneously equipping yourself with more tools and strategies to help you effectively deal with this thing called life. Now, before we go any further, I'm no doctor, no psychiatrist, no psychologist. I have, however, been diagnosed with bipolar disorder level one for 16 years. And to be honest, I got to a point in my life where I was looking at the person I was becoming versus the person I wanted to be. And that, among other things, required me to look at my mental health responsibly. So whether or not you're diagnosed or know someone who's diagnosed or have symptoms or just want to know more about it, it doesn't matter. Maybe you're one of the many people who could just use some tips, tricks, and different ideas to help you get through day-to-day life. Pull up a seat, kick up your feet. This is your family, man. Welcome home, no judgment zone. This week's episode, episode 605, Cast Your Net. That's right. Cast your net, man. You never know what you're going to get. Sometimes you got to throw it out there. With no further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, ladies, to another week, another episode of the Medicine Ball Podcast, man. The first thing I'd like to do is apologize for the inconsistency of the episodes. Um, Go check out my last two, you know, podcasts if you really want to see what's going on Um, when it comes to the commercial fishermen. On top of that, I've been having to deal with, you know, family issues. Rest in peace to my uncle who did pass um, this last week, my Uncle David. Just been battling with that. But without no further ado, I just want to get into what I've been doing, what's been going on. I'm trying to be a little bit more direct with these podcasts. And with my schedule being the way it is, they're having to be a little bit shorter and a little bit more concise. So, Season 6, Episode 5, Cast Your Net. Let's talk about it. So, I think I spoke to you guys previously about... The situation with the business being sold, me having to drive an hour and a half to get on a crab boat with one guy, me on the crab boat with the other guy, Phil, who I kind of gave you guys a background about. Um, The older guy who, I mean, I don't know how to say it. He obviously has some prejudices. I've heard him speak in a way that I'm not too cool with, but... You know, I I try to go along and get along. I try not to make unnecessary conflicts, but Phil has been a very difficult person to work with. Let's just get into that real quick. So as I've been telling you guys, you know, this is a commercial fisherman area where there's third, fourth, fifth generation fishermen. And um, 
as I'm learning more, I do see that a lot of the things that are required and, and able to crab or fish, you have to know quite a few things. You need to know the tide level. You need to know when the cold fronts are moving in. You need to know what phase the moon is in. You need to know where the uh, crabs or where the particular fish are. So it's been very, very tedious. Um, now, when I was working with my friend Jimmy Lee, who is the only other black crabber I know, um... It was a little unorganized, you know, the time management wasn't the best, but I kind of knew what I was getting with with Jimmy. You know, on a rough day with Jimmy Lee, I would probably uh, pull and swap out maybe about 200 traps. Um, what I would also have to do with Jimmy Lee, and to be honest, yeah, this is going to this is gonna end up being a good episode. What else I've been having to do with Jimmy Lee is help him with some of the marketing aspects, such as brokering uh three, 400 pound fish deals, you know, talking to the different nationalities where, whether it be Asian or Hispanic and, you know, you guys know, I speak a little Spanish. So brokering those deals, which I feel like is something that I've always been able to do being from Atlanta, messing with the music, you know, even with the podcast, it's just kind of what I do. I can go into anywhere and get along and talk to anybody and get some business done. Um, I want to take a pause real quick because I, 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 I see I'm getting ahead of myself. One thing that's important, if you guys are following me, that you guys know that my spiritual growth is very important to me. I'm constantly doing things. About two weeks ago, I just did a fast. And right now, we're going through something called Advent. And Advent, and again, I'm not a preacher, right? I'm somebody who studies and whatnot. But I think that one of my gifts is the ability to kind of talk about religious things with people without it getting offensive, getting too confusing, and things of that nature, right? So I just want to give you all a bland a definition of what the advent is that the advent is kind of a rekindling of hope it's a rekindling of faith talks about waiting for the return of jesus christ regardless of what you're going through it talks about jesus and you know knowing what you need and what you what you desire before you even pray to him he just wants you to pray um i'm very very big as i'm moving around on God using me how he wants me to use him. And, you know, I feel that I have a relationship with him to where a lot of the situations he puts me into are situations where how I live or my behavior or how I deal with difficult people or different search, uh, situations is going to probably show more of my love and relationship with God than me just walking around preaching and dropping verses. So I need y'all to understand that this is very loaded as I'm going through something that's constantly changing, constantly evolving. You know, sometimes from one week to the next, I don't even know what I'm going to be doing when it comes to finances. Right. But with us going through Advent and me going through my devotionals every day, I'm constantly seeing things like, you know, I will wait on the Lord. You know what I mean? Or aren't you more important than don't worry about the food that you eat or the clothes that you wear? Doesn't God care about you more than that? I'm seeing these constant type of uh, scriptures. So when I'm around certain people that I may have a little bit more business sense or financial savvy than or understand because I, I need y'all to understand there's a lot of things in this industry that you won't learn just from being a knowledgeable person. You know what I mean? There's things about the natures where the species or the creature you're looking for is those are things that I'm going to have to learn and I may not ever learn but I'm financially savvy 
you know, I have two LLCs. I have multiple businesses. I understand marketing. I understand AdSense. I understand numbers. I understand investing. I understand leverage. It's a lot more that, you know, with the smaller town, smaller business from what I've seen, they may not necessarily be keen to. So that does give me an advantage. So all of that to say, I had to really humbly take what I was dealing with with Jimmy Lee as a chance to, you know, help him. I look at him like my younger brother. He has some things going on, which I ain't putting out there, but there's some things that he could be do better that don't have nothing to do with the commercial fisherman side, that don't have nothing to do with can you go catch a creature side? How can you move it? You feel what I'm saying? What are your relationship skills like? Can you talk in a business sense? Do you understand orders? So I get it. So after doing that for a while, I wanted to throw in the Avon. Um, I get over here to Phil, and I've given y'all, you know, a little bit about Phil. Hell, the first time I went out on Phil, first thing he does, they call it a run aground. When you're on a boat and you run aground, that means you are on the water and you're not paying attention. You end up on some land, right? That particular bump with Phil, which I haven't told Peter, who is uh, my friend's father who owns the company, the big dog, that kind of dislocated my shoulder and put me in a rough space. Now, because of that, I don't know if Phil was embarrassed. I don't know if Phil, you know, had a change of heart about how he feels about all races. I don't know if I got a pass um, because I also mentioned, and I know this is going to sound racial, but I got to keep it a buck because it's what happened. Man, I also mentioned the first day after he wrecked the boat and he's all wet, he takes his wallet out of his pocket and he puts it in one of the fish baskets. Now, me, I, I gave y'all the ops episode. I'm a little bit more aware and offer more empathy. And, and I just pay attention to different things when I'm working with older people or older-minded people. So I saw him set his wallet there. And Phil comes back over to my house maybe an hour later. And I could tell by the tone of his voice and the way that he was talking, he really thought that I may have taken his wallet. And it was at that time where I was like, yo, Phil, your wallet's in the orange basket on the boat. And when he found it, I could see his body language change. I could see that he felt bad for that, right? So these are the little things that are going on with Phil that I'm, I'm really, instead of getting annoyed at, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm just letting it slide, but I already know this relationship with me and Phil probably isn't going to last too long because he doesn't know how to communicate, and Phil will be the first to tell you that he doesn't know how to deal with people. He doesn't like talking to people, which is cool for what he does. He's just bringing in some crabs to the crab house. Um, I've seen him get into some situations with his daughter, and I ain't going to put it all was out there, but I thought I was going to have to tackle Phil a couple of times. He's one of those guys who gets angry and, you know... I would call it a little country, but he's ex he expresses anger sometimes and how he drive his car. So if he's frustrated or something, he can't do nothing about it. He's going to get in his car. He's going to he gonna do all of that crazy stuff. And this is a, a an adult who's over 60, right? So he don't know what I do. He doesn't know what my business is. He doesn't know what I um what my background is. So I'm not really getting too much into like what I'm seeing from him, which is a classic narcissist who don't live in the future. Right. But I gave him a pass. So me not being a quitter or anything, you know, these guys will tell you. And now I'm done talking about Jimmy Lee. I'm talking about Phil and Peter because we're back at the main crab house. Right. For now, um, they will tell you, you know, I don't have no experience. Um, I'm a little slow and so forth and so on. But they damn sure didn't treat me like that. I told y'all, man. And, and I and either y'all can go on my um, pages, right, Medicine Ball LS3 and see some footage, or y'all can go Google it, Blue Crabbing, 
right? Because when I tell y'all that I started off with about 350 traps and one day it was like 400 traps, but we're doing that many traps a day. It will really click if you go and you understand what the blue crabbing consists of. You know, I try to give y'all a little bit about it. Basically, you're baiting, I don't know, I say maybe a two by four cage uh, trap, right? Um, it's steel, but it has the, like the little plastic coating on it, right? And it has a latch and a bait area for some bait, whatever, whatever that you can sell it close. So you're baiting these. And then there's a long rope attached to them with the buoy on the end of the boat. So the idea is you drop these out in the line or something that symbolizes a line and you know where they are, which is the first thing. Phil was looking for these joints every day. And what, what happens is it becomes a situation to where after you've baited and dropped it in and left it in the water, you're hooking the buoys. There's something on there called a pulling machine that you click into and it pulls the trap up to the surface of the water so that you can then grab it and then dump the crabs out. Now, what I have learned is it's not always that simple because when you're dealing with the ocean and the water, you're dealing with grass, you're dealing with mother nature. So yeah, you might pull a trap up out of there with grass on there. And I'm talking wet grass that looks like, to me, it looked like collard greens or spinach. You feel what I'm saying? But the thing is, if the grass is located in the places where the crabs come in and it's too much, they not gonna come in the trap. So now mind you, in between traps, they want you to be 20 to 30 seconds. So sometimes you might get the crabs out in like two seconds, but now you have to fight to get this grass out. And mind you, Phil, Philip is not a person who explains anything at all. It's just like, yo, you got to get more grass than that out. This is the way you could try to do it. And I'm a person who, if you're getting on me about being too slow about doing not, about not doing something right, when you go to take that from me to show me, whether it be a trap, whether it be music or something like that, I'm looking at how you're doing it and how long it's taking you. So if it's taking me 30 seconds to dump all the grass out and you're saying I'm too slow and then you go grab a trap and it take you 35 seconds, I ain't going to necessarily say nothing, but I'm looking at you questionable now, right? Another thing they have in the tra trap are conch. That's right, C-O-N-C-H, conch. And when at first look, they just look like little shells. But then you start to realize, like, why are there 25 of these shells in this crab trap? Well, they're alive animals, and they've gotten in there. And since they're alive in some counties, you can't keep those on your boat just sitting there. You got to get them out. So it's things like this that's coming into nature. We're not gonna. We're not even talking about the catfish that you might run into, the puffer fish that's sitting there blowing up while a crab is holding on to his tail. So now you're fighting this crab for this puffer fish, the little angel fish that the crab is holding on to, and and and, and, and you know the guy Phil, I think. I can't remember, Jimmy Lee called him a gamesman or something, but it's a situation where he don't want to kill nothing he's not going to eat or do nothing with. So if you accidentally dump an angelfish in a crab box when you're going through crabs, he's going to complain about it, right? So boom, so we're talking about all of this. So I'm just going to keep it real with you. Barbie's father, I'm looking at how he carries himself and how he talks, and I feel like this man could go out there and pull 300 and 400 traps himself. He can basically do what he's asking me. And me being a guy who's coming from management, who's in leadership, who's a mentor, who's a life coach, who's somebody people reach out to for advice and things of that nature, I think it's very important that you practicing or are at least decent at the things that you try to hold somebody else accountable to or the things that you try to hold some, ask somebody else to do. So now I'm real. So long story short, after like the second or third day, I'm realizing 
feels doing all of this work because I'm able to do it, not because that's his normal, his normal um schedule. And the reason I know this is because eventually, so so hold on, let me back up so I can tell the whole story. So um, the reason I know this is because since then, me and Phil have. And coming from Barbie's parents, they have told me they know he's hard to work with and they really didn't use that language. They use something else, but they say he's not a good teacher. So I feel a little bit better. But the days that we haven't worked together, the number of work that Phil is able to get done in a longer amount of time does not compute. It does not compute. So he's already lost his previous crew man because the other guy wants more money and he and he's in a place where he has a little bit of respect so now he's by himself and beating himself up right so i just need that to be known so during this time i'm a tad i'm not gonna say frustrated because the work is hard i'm tired and when i tell y'all the injuries like i got a high pain tolerance you know those who know me know i have tattoos in some of the most painful places going down the back of my arms i have a brand i've broken fingers and things like that i just have an extremely high tolerance for pain so all of that to say if i'm complaining about something it will probably cripple the average person i'm just being real so you know when you grabbing these steel traps and you putting your hands through the little holes on there to grab these traps and stuff and it's like anything else when you work out a muscle group or you work out a part of your body that you don't use that often. So if you used to sitting behind a keyboard and hitting them with the chick, 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 and then all of a sudden every trap or four to 500 times a day, you're having to squeeze and lift something, bro. And, and again, I want y'all to know I'm, 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 I'm explaining this to y'all, right? This is things that I never really vocalized on the boat. These are things that I vocalized to my friends when I was off. And it was like, yo, why you walking like that? Yo, why you holding your hand like that? So I want to let y'all know, I know this is not an industry where you can go out on the boat and just be whining and complaining about stuff. So a lot of this stuff I just kept to myself, you know what I'm saying? And even with that, Phil was a, he was a rough one, bro. Like I literally, after because, okay, so there's also the part of crabbing where you move gear. And this is probably outside of, like, having to get the grass out the traps. This is probably, like, my least favorite part. Number one, because I'm the one who's doing all the moving of the gear. But number two, it's tedious. Because you pretty much you pretty much go down and you pick up, you know, depending on your boat. With my boat, it was going to be 90 traps. And you move them to a whole nother side of the water or a whole nother location and drop them in. And it's very tedious because you're in a job where you only want to spend so much time between each trap trying to get the crabs out, bait it, clean it, whatever, whatever. But now you're adding an extra step because you get to a point where you stack these traps so high to try to get them on the boat to where the highest level, the fourth or fifth level high you're having to now throw a bucket or whatever's on the boat back there. Hurry up, get this trap ready. Go back there, ballerina stand on a bucket, or maybe you might stand on the edge of the boat or something, which is really like, you know what I'm saying? You can't be sitting there thinking about fear and stuff, but you got to do that, and you can't just throw it up there. You got to secure the trap because if not, while you're riding, your traps will blow away with the buoy inside of the trap, so they just gone, right? So it's just another layer of that. So, but anyway, we were doing this one time and after like moving all of the traps, I literally took a deep breath and Phil went off. He was like, man, man, if you was on any other boat, you would have to do this, 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 and this, 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 and this. And to even my response was, yo, Phil, show me what he did, right? 
So all of this to say that I'm I'm learning that this is a changing industry and I can see like from a character standpoint and from a human standpoint how it's just going to allow me to be more adaptable and more last minute, which I can honestly say has been one of my weaknesses. I like too much structure sometimes. You see what I'm saying? And in certain situations, certain job types, whatever, there's not going to be no structure. You got to be able to deal with things on the fly. You got to be adaptable. So I'm a person when stuff gets hard, I, I try to look at the benefits that I can get out of it that aren't necessarily financial because for me, right, and y'all know my diagnosis and everything, for me, that's going to be what allows me to push through and get through another day. So <clears throat> as I mentioned you know, this is called cast your net. What does this have to do with what I'm explaining to you guys? Or what does this have to do in relation to the episode? We, well, 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 we're going to get there. I knew things were coming ahead with Phil because, and mind you, this dude is, is an older guy. Like, he's a grown man. Like, his kids is my age. Put it that way, right? Because he's not super old, but his kids is dang near my age, right? So it's like, respect you know what I mean but as I'm crabbing and going out with him more and more I realize he got a case of the ops too you know what I'm saying he's very forgetful he spends far too much time squinching his eyes and doing his thing where he looks back and forth and I know he's like like this dude don't even know where his traps are we spend too much time looking for traps even with that this man be wanting to be on the water before the sun is even up and when I mentioned that to another crabber they was like you can't even see the buoys you see what I'm saying so all of that to say, this is when I knew like things with Phil was just out of control. He was kind of, because I already knew he was kind of a rebel, wild, daredevil type dude, right? He wrecked the boat, right? So cast netting is another type of fishing that they have, right? <laughs> and the first thing I want to say is if you've ever seen cast netting, um, it takes a technique, a skill, and a strength. Like, you're not going to go pick up a cast net and throw that joint on your first try and it open up or pull it in right. It's just not going to happen. The people who you see who throw their nets and their nets open up all big and in a perfect circle and all of that, then folks, is fah, right? So, Jimmy Lee has started getting me into the cast net, and we had cast netted, like, one day, 700 pound of tilapia or something like that. But all of that to say, I'm a little bit familiar with it. And be and because I can't throw the net quite yet, um, my responsibilities fall to, you know what I mean, maneuvering the boat or having to do the pull-in. You know what I'm saying? Because once you throw the net and it opens up, you catch the fish, that's just part one. If you got 300 pound of fish in there and you weak, you're you going to be along for a ride, buddy. You feel me? So... <laughs> I'm paying attention and I'm learning lingo and whatnot in this particular area where we're in. And I'm going to keep it real because Phil was out of line, but I'm just going to keep it real with y'all anyway. Um, I'm seeing signs that I can relate to. So if it's saying like, yo, don't cast net in this area. Yo, no seining nets. A seining net is where you use two boats and have a net that's darn near underwater and you use two boats to scoop the fish. But it's something different. But anyway, in this particular area, you're not supposed to be doing that, right? Especially not off of the boat ramp where you're launching the boat into the water. Not only are the signs are there, but for obvious reasons, which y'all going to hear in a second, like you just don't do it, bro. It's just not a good idea, right? So Phil is a guy who where I'm meeting him at the shop at like 4, 4.30 a.m., and I get it. It's been a recent um, change with the time that affects when the sun comes up. And, you know, if for certain reasons, I'm not going to get into all too much of that. But you don't want to be out there too late in the day or in the dead of the day. So you want to be out there early, avoid boat traffic, whatever, whatever. 
So even though I get it, it's still too early because we be out on the water majority of the time before we can even literally see the buoys to grab and string up to do the crabbing, right? But every night that we're going out, or every morning, rather, I don't know, it's so early, man, I'll be losing track of whether it's the morning or the night. But every time we're out there, um, there's a there's in this area something called a mullet fish, right? And a mullet fish is something that they, you know, it, it's a it's it's a fishing town, you know what I'm saying? It's a fishing area. So the mullet fish is something that a lot of the fishermen depend on all year. Even if they're crabbers, they will mullet fish because you know, there's a market for the uh, roe, which is the fish eggs. I'm just going to keep it a buck with you. You know what I'm saying? Um, this is what LS3 has been doing, squeezing fish private parts to see what comes out and how to delegate the fish. But anyway, mullet is a big thing. And I'm starting to realize, even though, you know, I spent a majority of my life, I have lived up north, but I spent a majority of my life in the south, in the south, as they say. So, in a lot of aspects, it's weird because I'm considered a city boy when it comes to things because I've never seen so many fish running that they just clump together and you can be out on a large body of water and see the shadow because it's so many fish. Like, bro, you be standing on the boat looking in the water and the water's so shallow you can see the bottom and you just see like these little shadows darting by. It might make you think you're on a drug or something. You just these little shadows. You're like, what the hell is that? It's the fish. They're migrating. You know what I'm saying? They got nature things going on. I don't want to get too much into it. Go follow my page and all of that like y'all do to get more insight or hit me up about it. But I ain't going to get too deep into that. But just like, I ain't never seen that before. Bro, it's a whole ecosystem and economy that depends on these fish. So when I finally saw it, which was after the story I'm about to tell y'all about the cast net, it was just weird because... Bro, the dolphins are stopping the fish from going a certain area that the fishermen want them to go, which is deeper waters. But the dolphins just sitting there having a feeding feast. They just, as as my roommate would say, I got a new word for y'all, just scarfing these fish. You feel me? <laughs> They're obliterating these fish. Like five or six dolphins getting it in. The pelicans getting it in. Whatever, whatever. But it's a real thing. So because they're preparing for this and there's a, a chance to get so many fish out of it, they um, they wait for these fish. They hunting fish. You feel me? They looking for cold fronts. They looking for tide. And side note, that's another thing that I help Phil with. Phil, as long as he's been fishing, don't even know how to check the tide every day, which matters because if it's low tide, now your traps is sticking out the water and they got more grass in them. You can't navigate to certain parts of the river that you need to because the water's not high enough for your boat to get over the water. That's where boat types and things of that nature come in. The Carolina skiff, the V-hole, whatever, whatever, right? So all of that to say, so as we're going out to go crabbing each morning, you could just listen sometimes and hear these pockets of a fish exploding. And what I mean by that is there's so many fish that they're just splashing around like you can't even see, but you'll hear in the river like to your left. And the fishermen know that that's the mullet running. So they be getting real excited about it. You know what I'm saying? So whatever, whatever. So we had gone back for like a week and there was these mullets splashing around every day. And I think at one time we ran up on them, but they were in an area where we can't cast the net. They call it the condominiums. There's people's houses right there, but the fish are running up against the bank to where they're there. So one day we come out, we're extra, extra early this day. And it's nobody there, not even another crabber. And the fish are splashing about like right in front of us. 
Now, in these previous days when the fish were splashing out, Phil would scramble to get to his net and pull his net out and be on this, this old guy on the bow with this fishing net ready to throw the net, right? Never got a chance to throw. Today, it's just it's just killing Phil. <laughs> Phil just can't, you know what I'm saying? It's just too much for Phil to bear. The call of the unknown is too much for this man. It's killing him. Now, it's a bunch of op stuff going on, old people stuff going on, right? Because he's not a good teacher. So it's like I'm learning little things that if you just go to a boat ramp or see a boat in the water, the little things that you're not even aware of, such as, when you launch the boat into the water, somebody got to hold the rope or be able to drive the boat up to the side so you can tie it to the post until, you know, the other person parks the truck in the trailer and walks back to the boat. So it'd be stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? That he don't really teach me, but I'm learning from his grumpiness that is important and how to operate. So we get up there this one day and it was a day after I had maybe let the boat swing the wrong way. He was grumpy about it. So when I get out, I hear the fish. But my main thing is, all right, cool. How I'm going to swing the boat to the dock today so that Phil's not grumpy about it. And so I'm setting this up because y'all need to understand the whole story. So I'm trying a different strategy to kind of like tie the boat. Long story short, and I think a lot of times my, my strength that I do have helps me from getting into compromising positions because... For some reason, me trying to get this boat rope around this, you know, this pier plank, this little, you know, I don't know how to explain. You've been to a boat ramp, you've seen them. I end up holding on to the pier and holding the rope for the boat with one arm. And so I'm stretched out. And at one point, I thought I was about to get pulled into the water. Now, Phil's parking the boat. He's not seeing this, but I'm knowing, bruh, if I drop this rope, I'm going to have to jump in this water and try to get it, learn how to drive the boat or something. So I'm going through that. And long story short, I'm able to, with all my strength, get it back to a point to where I can leverage the rope around this little plank and pull the boat to the shore by the time Phil's walking up. So Phil's walking up and I'm already, you know, I explained in a previous episode, I'd be laughing sometimes at inappropriate situations. I'm already chuckling and laughing to myself about that and the amount of strength that it took me to make that happen, right? Phil not listening. You know what I'm saying? Narcissist just overwhelmed. The fish are splashing right there though. So the boat is tied to the boat dot. The fish are splashing like right in front of us and we're sitting there quiet. So I'm still standing on the dock because I got the boat tied off at this point. And I'm watching Phil go grab his cast net and I'm thinking to myself like, because when Jimmy Lee was throwing the net, he would always let me know. Now, then again, I was driving the boat actively, but I would know that it was about to happen. Bruh, I see this man Phil put his, <laughs> his net over his shoulder and everything. And he's just looking. And on the boat dock, he didn't think this through, bro. He ain't, and this is why I'd be like, like, yo, when you tell me you an expert in something that I'm not familiar with and I see you got a little bit of knowledge of it, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? So that's going to allow you to get more respect from me in this situation than probably I would give to others. You know what I'm saying? But when I start seeing you do little stuff, like don't know where the lines is parked, um, you throwing the trap out and then blaming it on me. When I start seeing you do little stuff like that, I start my, my respect for you. And now, mind you, it doesn't mean I'm going to talk to you any different way. But it's just like I'm going to question my, and be a little less quicker to move when you're asking me to do certain things. That starts to diminish the more silly stuff I start seeing you do. We got this boat roped off. This man got this cast net. 
And I just see him start to spin. And you got to understand, when you do this cast net thing, it's almost like you're throwing a discus. If you remember the Olympic Games where they got the discus, you got to spin. You got to spin your body to get going. And he's a small dude, bro. He's probably like 5'10", maybe 155. So he really got to get going. So, But once you start spinning, that's it. <laughs> It's over with. You feel me? You're going to throw the net or you risk falling in. He starts spinning. I'm like, holy snap. I didn't say that, but I'm like, oh, my gosh. He throws the net off of the daggone dock. And I already knew it was a flicked throw. I'm going to bring up a, a word that shows my age. I already knew it was a flicked throw because the net opened up and half the net hit the front of the boat. The other half went into the water. And that's not even the worst part. The worst part is there were freaking fish there. So... I'm, with, I'm standing here watching Phil and watching this play out. And all of a sudden, I see his the expression on his face look like he was getting overwhelmed or like he was about to get pulled into the water. Man, I hear all these fish going. Psh, psh, psh. This is my first experience with the mullet. And we not even, he, not even we, he not supposed to be throwing this joint from the dock. And I see why. Because now you got a long ass pull to get even if it's 200 pounds of fish out of the water together up in the air, you don't even have nothing to pull it over. That's not going to, cause here's the other thing you got to know how to grab the net once the fish is in it. So imagine you don't know none of this stuff. So now there's all these fish in there and you don't even know how to grab the net properly. Cause he didn't explain. So anyway, I see the, his facial expression change. He looks over at me. He's like, Trey, grab the rope. And I'm starting to realize there's so many fish in this thing. They about to pull his little self into the water. So mind you, the boat is still docked. It's still hooked up. So I got to jump in the boat, unhook it, grab the rope, which is now kind of over the front of the boat, jump on the boat and try to help. I don't know how to deal with mullet. I've only dealt with tilapia in the daytime when I can see. It's different nets. It's different boats. You feel what I'm saying? So every situation is not the same. Man, I'm grabbing. I'm holding on to it now because he has to get the boat and move it around and all of that. So as I told you earlier, like, this is highly illegal. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to broadcast it, but I, I wasn't the captain of the boat. I wasn't calling the shots. So as I'm hanging on to this net, which I later found out had like 300 fish in it, and you could feel them joints pulling. You could feel them pulling. Man, I see light at the top of the boat ramp where the entrance is. And I'm knowing whoever this is because the crabbing community is like very competitive. And depending on what you may or may not be going through with a particular crabber, whether it be you laid your traps on top of his line, you cut him out on a cell or nothing, they're going to tell on you, bro. They are going to tell on you. So I'm seeing these lights in. So now... I'm having to pull the fish in. And mind you, he didn't give me no direction. So I'm trying to pull him in the best I can. And he's complaining about the net to the point where he has to just throw the boat and drive while I'm hanging on to the net. Until we get further enough out to where the person who's, uh, you know, launching their boat in the water can't see us and therefore ultimately report on us. And I remember hanging on to that boat or hanging on to that net on the side of that boat at 430 in the morning and being cold as hell. And I was thinking to myself, like. Bro, what have you gotten yourself into? Like, where is your life going right now? This time last year, you were a manager for a Fortune 500, really a Fortune 100 company. 
You know what I mean? Your podcast was on beat every week. You were making money with beats again. Like, and now you're in an industry where you're a rookie. Your earning potential is limited. You can't really say too much, even if you know something, because you haven't been around. And you just got to put your head down and grind. And it was at that moment that I came up with the title for this episode, Cast Your Net. So I'm going to get ready to close here. I feel I feel like a preacher every time I say that, but like with it being Advent and everything, like and me being, you know, a believer and always on my spiritual journey and spiritual growth. At first I was like, man, I'm going to relate this episode to the story of Jesus telling the fishermen to cast their net to the side of the boat and them not believing them. And when they threw it, their net had so many fish it began to break. But then I was like, that might be a little stretch for me to explain. How can I relate this to life? And the way I related it to life is just like when you out there cast netting and throwing your net. The first thing you have to realize is if you don't throw your net, if you don't cast your net, you're guaranteed to catch absolutely nothing. Whether it be an opportunity, whether it be a chance for you to grow in your career field, whether it be a financial opportunity, a chance to invest you know, you it's kind of like that old saying that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. If you're not even willing to step out on faith, and that's what it's about with me. Because I had to realize, like, it ain't no hope. If I'm going to really be a believer, I have to get stronger with my faith. And there's a reason that the Bible makes references to you only needing a little bit of faith. In fact, a faith smaller than a mustard seed to make things happen because it's hard. Faith is acting, living, and Hoping and knowing from God's character that something is going to happen that's going to be in your favor, even though you can't see it. It might look like the exact opposite of an opportunity. You can't see it because ultimately with me and Philip, after I worked maybe like 10 days in a row, I told this man I needed a day off. And he used that as a reason that he didn't want to work with me no more. And he was, I'm just going to keep it blunt. He was kind of racist about it. And even now, this podcast, again, is coming out a few days late. But I had to pause it because the uh, company I'm working with, Peter, the big company, the McAllisters, they have 15,000 pounds of fish that they wanted me to help them unload. And I went up there and did it. It was tough. It was nasty. I just took a shot. It's just horrible. But the pay was worth it at the end of the day. I ain't going to get y'all too much business. The pay was worth it. Not only that, they have enough power to where they were actually able to call another crab shop and tell them that like, yo, they trust me. They mess with me. They've known me for years. Hire me. And just like that, I had another opportunity. And it took me a lot. You know, it kind of I kind of paused on the podcast because I had the cast your net theme and then I had the falling out with Phil and I wasn't even really in a mood. And me personally, I had to pray for Phil. I had to pray for empathy and I had to go ahead and pray that he stayed safe out there because he's an old guy who can't do it by himself. He's falling apart. I had to pray for abundance of him to still get fish and crabs, even though he hasn't doing it by himself. But I went ahead and prayed for him and by praying for him and it's been difficult and I'm still fighting it. I could see. A lot of things in God's character that, you know, they talk about that happen when like when you hear these old sayings like, yo, where one door opens or where one window's closing, God will open a door. It always depends on your ability to cast your net and be willing to get nothing out of the ordeal, but keep trying in order to make yourself available. So that's what I want to leave you with. Cast your net. And what I mean by that is make yourself available for things that are not familiar to you. Make yourself available for different types of works and opportunities. 
you know, even by me making myself available and going up to the fish house. And I don't mind saying it. I'm trying to build this as a business and I'm looking at more so the wholesale part. I just met darn near every major fisherman within a 50 mile radius today. Sometimes we can't be scared to cast our net. Now, I ain't going to lie. You don't cash your net illegally, Phil style, but you got to be able to risk throwing it out there in the net, maybe not opening up. Maybe it's not as good of a throw. Maybe it's not an optimal situation or optimal conditions, but you can't let that, especially if you're a believer, be the thing that stops you. You can't let anger, resentment, frustration, annoyance, you can't let those things get in the way. Because ultimately what they will do is they will change your mindset to a mindset to where you're not available. You're not open to new opportunities. You're not looking for the things that are golden right in front of you because you stuck on the wrong mindset. So I wanted to give y'all a story today about what I've been going through, how I've kind of been casting my net and the things that it has brought me on both sides. You know, I had to pause a couple of days ago, man. I, I had these big dreams of just like, yo, I want a house in this state. I want a house in this state. I want a house on the beach. I want to. And we got to realize that God often gives us the things that we asking him for, but they may not look how we envision them. Right now, I'm blessed enough to be in a situation to where I walk outside and I see palm trees. I got an actual house in Florida and an actual house in Georgia. And I just had to pause and thank God for that because there's people who don't have one home to go to, let alone two and two dope states. How many people can control their money and, and, and be in the industry and have the connections to just like literally fall out with one situation and fall back into another one that might be paying more? That's not a lot of people who go through these things. So we have to cast our net and we have to sometimes accept what we may or may not catch. My man Jimmy Lee, he'll cast his net for whatever. He'll catch mullet. If the mullet not working, he'll cast a net and catch tilapia. And I'll be having to tell him, like, bro, this ain't the fish you wanted, but it's a creature that you can sell. I always use that term. I'll be like, yo, let's go catch a creature because that's what we're doing. You have to be willing to cast your net. You have to be willing to learn and do things that are unfamiliar and out of your comfort zone to truly take whatever you have as a goal or dream to the next level. Very rarely does things work as you plan. Even with the casting net, these fishermen, I done been around them, bro. They think that they're going to have a thousand pound throw every time they throw that net. And the fish stories are humongous. People tell you quick, I brought in 2,000 pounds and it'd be like 800. So it's going to be some fabrication, but you have to be willing to throw it out there and accept what happens. And if it doesn't work, you got to be willing to cast your net again. The worst thing you can do is lick your wounds or mend your net too long trying to fix it up. You got to get back out there while you can because you'll miss an opportunity being scared to throw it. It's like I told you, the first few nights and first few times we heard them fish splashing, Phil didn't even throw his net. It just got and built up to him to the point where he made a bad move, but he still wasn't scared to cast his net. So I want to leave y'all with that, man. I appreciate y'all being patient with me this season, man. It's been rough. Go follow me on all my social medias at Medicine Ball LS3 if you want to see what's really going on. If you want to see these pictures of these tens of thousands of fish, if you want to see the cast nets bubbling up, go follow me, man. I love y'all. Y'all stay up. Hit me up. I appreciate y'all being patient. Like, subscribe, share. Until next week, yeah, yeah.